Welcome to the Trial Lawyer Podcast. My name is Gabriel White. I'm at the, the law firm of White and Garner. And here uh, with me is also my partner in the firm, Dan Garner. Right, Along, here. He is here. And uh, Scott Powers, who we're all uh, very excited to have with us here today. He is with the wonderful law firm of Snow Christensen and Martineau. Happy to be here, Gabe. I don't need to lean into the mic, but that's okay. You can do that if you want to. Thank you, Gabe. All right. Um, and we are going to talk about a very important um, and serious topic today, which is um, how attorneys I deal with, with stress. I, yeah, I bet the that, mic that, that picked, goes with picked the stress, up, though. Picked it's up, good. He's, he's picked having up a drink. Me, he's me uh, filling up my, my glass with some monster. Take a little time out to talk about the stress. Um... Interesting day today. What do we what do we the, uh, what do we podcast. mean when we're talking about stress? Well, what what is stress to you, Scott Powers? What is stress to me? Yeah, what well, that, that's a you? that's a question, right? It, it's all. It is a question. That's it's, true. It's, Good job. <laughs> okay, here we go. No, it's all relative. Uh, some people consider things that other people don't consider stress. And I've never really well, thought about the definition, but when I think when asking. we're talking about stress, I think yeah. we're talking about things that exert either a, a physiological or psychological impact on you that that uh, cause distress. I think <laughs> primarily we're talking in, in this context about a, emotional pressure or, or a psychological pressure that can manifest itself in physical ways, right? That's good. Um, and, you know, obviously this is applicable to anybody who might listen to the podcast, but uh, as attorneys, this is a topic that frequently comes up because uh, we are in a stressful environment. A lot of times the outcome of the, the things that we do, the decisions that we make along with our clients can um, you know, drastically alter our lives, their lives, um, and the lives of the people on the other side of the case. So... Well, well, it's like um, and uh, attorneys are are, are are classically at least bad at dealing with stress, um, and so we want to talk about, or at least they have that reputation, deserved or undeserved. Well, and, and well, I think our profession is our profession. There in, in the uh, alcohol dependency and all that good stuff. Uh, so alcohol dependency, suicide rate. Uh, we just professions. The dentists. Well, so I think are the they dentists were at the top. The dentists were. I think we just. Surpassed him. Really? Year, yeah. Oh, that's 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 terrifying. Okay, so very probably most important podcast that we will ever do. Then, if we are more suicidal than the dentists, then uh, this is we, this needs to be addressed now. Because those guys stick their fingers in people's mouths every day with drills, and they're like the mechanics of the human of the face, body. Who? Dentists. I would think doctors would be the mechanics. Yeah, I was going to say, body. I think the doctors Yeah, there's are, a lot more variables, though. In the mouth I, I, versus I think the I'm, entire I'm, human body? Maybe, no, no. no maybe. The body they're like the body the shop people. No, that's not They're like the people who work on your teeth. Anyway, so <clears throat> to keep us back on track, stress. Attorneys face a lot of stress. What are some constructive ways that we have learned? Obviously, all of us have been... I've been practicing now for... Um, what about uh, almost eleven years? Um, Scott, maybe a little 13. longer than that. Thirteen and uh, Dan. I was two. He's like I was two years old. When two I two years old. The, I'm the now. Two thousand thirteen. So it's been. It'll be five. 
this well, this October is five years. And we're, we're all we're in October, so you've done it. And we're congratulations. All, we're all and we're all litigators here, so exposed Martin to a fair amount keeps of. Keeps trying to sell me a plaque that says "Buy this for celebrate your five year five year anniversary." Does that help you, you relieve stress? Have no, okay, well, to it. It so you brought up a point, Gabe, spam, litigators. Spam. And I think when we talk about lawyers and stress, there's a reason why lawyers are listed in there because I think litigators in particular have a unique job that I don't think you see in any other profession. Namely, we have a, a, a you know professional situation wherein someone of similar intelligence, education, et cetera, is hired by someone else well, to call everything we do crap. I mean, it's like if a doctor were performing surgery and uh, someone else hired another doctor to try to kill the same patient you're trying to save. Yeah, that's true. I, I think it, one, I think it's very rare for somebody to be you know, opening up someone's chest cavity in the OR and you hear another doctor yell, Objection! That's wrong! That's wrong! Or so they're, they're do it different. To fight the utensils out of his yeah. Uh-huh. There's one. There's the one doctor assigned to kill the patient. So, you know. Well, it, and that's inherently it, stressful. And and the other thing too. Sorry to cut you off, Gabe. Well, it's deadlines too, right? Well, there's deadlines, but also keep in keep in mind what you're doing as a litigator. They don't come to you and say, "Hey, you know what? Everything's going great. Let's sue somebody." They're coming to you in a stressful situation themselves, and you are being hired to act on their behalf in connection. With an already stressful, predic- you know, predicament. Well, and and that's particularly true, um, I think, on the plaintiff side, and and also can be true on the defense side. But you know, the majority of our clients that come to us are, you know, in very dire straits. I mean, I, I like to think that when they come through my door, they're probably you know uh, there to talk about the worst day of their lives, and um, you know. Obviously, that's also true on the defense side, but, you know, my clients usually are not able to work. They've got other money problems. They may have family stressors now that this is contributed to because, you know, the family situation has changed and they don't want, don't know what to do. A lot of times people are giving them conflicting advice and they just are really looking for, you know, a hand up. And when, as we talk about clients needing a hand up, Now's a good time to talk about the sponsors that make this podcast possible. Unfortunately, most lawyers are never available when you need them. Many of them don't put your interests first. The lawyers at White & Garner do things differently. We take each case very seriously. We will always put your interests first. We represent people who have been injured in accidents. We also handle commercial litigation cases. Other law firms assign your case to a paralegal or secretary and put that person in charge of managing your case. Getting your actual attorney on the phone can be a nightmare, no matter how important your case. At our firm, every case is important and every client gets our full attention. We only take cases that we are comfortable taking all the way to a jury trial. Every move we make helps us better prepare your case for trial. To get the best results at trial, you need a lawyer that is paying attention and that is not afraid of a jury. You need the lawyers at White & Garner. Each client of White & Garner has access to their attorney at any time, any day of the week. You can talk directly to your attorney about your case at any time, day or night. If we do miss your call, we will get back to you within 24 hours. If you hire a lawyer from White & Garner, we will be there for you when you need us. That is our promise, and we keep our promises. 
whenever somebody makes jokes about people not liking lawyers, I always compare, say, well, a litigator is like an oncologist. Like, it, you know, nobody wants to go see one, but when you really need one, you really need one. And yeah. So I, I had a law professor that she, you know, she hadn't been practicing for, I don't know, seven years. And she said she'd still wake up in the middle of the night sometimes thinking, like, she'd have a nightmare that she missed a deadline. And the statute had run or something like that. An it oncologist? Like, no, law professor. Oh, so I just said law professor. So she, I mean, <laughs> I think that the deadline, you know, the you oncology wake up deadline. And just, yes, the oncology deadline. Thank you. She, I mean, she'd have a nightmare. She'd wake up. It's seven years. She had been practicing for seven years. She'd been a law professor for seven years. Yeah. So there's that constant, like, oh, crap. Well, and it starts, it kind of starts in law school because law and there's school. A, well, and there's, to your point, there's someone on the other side just waiting. Waiting. Waiting hoping. and hoping, oh, this deadline's coming and they're going to miss it. Oh, they missed well, it. Well, and, 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 and in reality, in our practice, I mean, it, it's different when you deal with lawyers from different cities. I mean, I've kind of gotten over the point where I wake up in the middle of the night and race to my computer to make sure I filed that motion on time that I think I filed because... In, you know, in our community, for the most part, you know, there's a, a, a several notable exceptions. For the most part, if you happen to miss a deadline by a day or two, there are most lawyers that I know are going to, you know, be like, you know what, look, I'm just not going to look at the docket for a few days. You go ahead and, you know, do what you got to do, and then, oh, I'll look at it, and it'll be already be filed, and I'm sure the judge will read it. And it's not as big an issue as it might be if I were, say, litigating with, you know, I've had a couple of cases with counsel from Chicago where, you know, it's like if there's a comma out of place, there's going to be a motion filed about it. Um, and, you know, you've got to be just, and I think they're used to that because they're not used to having to deal with the same people over and over again. They don't realize that, you know, if I, if I'm not, if I'm not well behaved with this attorney on this case, He's going to have a chance to pay me back and soon. But, so we've established that there's a lot of stress that attorneys have to deal with. What are some of the ways that, um, that, that attorneys typically deal with stress and then maybe some of the more constructive ways that attorneys typically deal with stress? Um, I, I think the most common way is substance abuse, but... Uh, yeah, I, I think that's pretty clear. I mean, in, when I was in law school, I, I, I found this hilarious. So I, I was in law school at Texas and then D.C., and they would have like an hour speech about the fact that, oh, you know, lawyers are, be wary of alcohol. They become dependent on it, become dependent on substance abuse. And then literally the next announcement is, and by the way, blah 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 has sponsored, and we got a bunch of we got a bar review going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, bar. we literally had a required seminar we had to go to at the beginning. I did my first year of law school at, at Syracuse University, where they had a guy come in to give that speech. Yeah, who was like, my life was destroyed because we all started binge drinking in in, in law school, and you know, and then I started doing cocaine in my practice, and you know, about how he'd gone to jail and literally the bar student bar association pressure got up we'd like to thank so and so for coming and talking to us and everybody clapped you know and 
And then he's like, uh, just a few announcements, something, and then something else. And then, oh, and we're going to a Flannery's because they've sponsored a bar. We got $1 margaritas all night long. Uh, we expect to see all of you 1Ls there. Uh, we're going to have a great time. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. So, you know. and I had that and, exact same experience. And, you know, I think that. Um, and at the time, I'm going, you know, well, I, was pretty, I was pretty, we'll put it this way. I was a sheltered uh, little Mormon kid. Well, and there's. And I get there and I'm like, what the hell? I well, mean. and I think that, that in some respects it gets to be worse in law school because law school is set up to be a much more competitive environment than most of the legal profession faces. Oh, yeah, you, well, I you mean, compare like. Compare it to other. Like, you, even up, like, business school. No, but I mean. Compare it to MBA school. Compare it to actually practicing law. I mean, every single exam, every single paper, if your colleagues do worse, you do better. So you're always under the gun, constantly. This is true. And yeah. and that is not the way practice is. I mean, there's still stressors, but it's not. They kind of set you up so that you, this is what your expectation what, I, what do you, is. I don't even know what I could compare that to. It's what like, I, I, I've, I've always thought it like, it's like going through any other graduate school program, but with a loaded gun to your forehead the whole time. The whole look to your left, look to your right. One of these people are not going to be here. Yeah, exactly. Like it's like the first the it's like it's like the first thirty minutes of a Full Metal Jacket, okay, where they're marching well, around. This is my chase? rifle. This is my gun. Yeah. yeah, full. I think Full Metal Jacket provides a much more accurate <laughs> to law school. <laughs> yeah, to, than a movie example, about law school. Yeah, exactly. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a. I, I, I had some first year professors. I swear took. Uh, we're sitting through a Full Metal Jacket, taking notes from the drill dr- instructor. Uh, in there, but um, See, all my professors, especially one L year, were very like. I I went. I think they went out of their way to make sure that the students were comfortable. No, in my first year, that was not there was, the way it was. When there I was, was a there. there was a contracts professor. She was probably 70, 80, tiny lady, scared the hell out of everybody in the class. Because the first time somebody was asked about you know what were the facts of that case. And then tried to bluff their way through it. Just dress the kid down. I think he was almost crying at the at the, at the end. This is a full grown see. And this is man. Part, partly my this. problem is someone dressed me down. I, I wouldn't. I'm used to it, so I wouldn't. I wouldn't like with football and other things. I wouldn't affect me as much. Okay, so maybe sure. My, it's a hard knock life. Yeah, sure. sure yeah, I mean if. If, but if I, you just got done with a tour in the Marines and you go to law school, maybe it's not yeah. as stressful. But, you know, for, no, but I just for me, the, remember the, them do, I remember one professor the, just chewing us out. You know what? The, it was the, because the, everyone else was gone. The perception so there was a paper that, due. And so there, there was like only four of us in the constitutional law class. And he just let us have it. And we're like, we're the ones here. Well, not the, the, <laughs> the impression I wrong people. The impression I would get would be the dressing downs about how you're never going to you know, pass this class unless you do this. And then like the, and then that combined with the bleak sort of either statements from or outcome of the on-campus interviews where it's like, you know, after you're done, you figure out if you're not in the type of 5%, none of these people will hire you or even, you know, give you a second interview. See, Um, I didn't have that stress because I was pretty confident day one I was going on my own. Yeah. Because I had had experience with small law firms before going to law school. So I kind of knew 
Well, most people most people don't though. Yeah, no, I've, and I had run my own business before. Yeah. So I was like, eh, this this. Uh, I had no interest in going to. A no, for me it was like, it do well, or your you and your family will die in the gutter. Yeah. See. And that would be terrible. And I was like, <laughs> so I was at campus like 14 hours a day. You know, I was, uh, you know, Well, I still constantly, tried. I mean, I still tried my best, but it wasn't like, wasn't you know, good panicked about, about everything. And, and, you know, and it worked out fine. Um, you know, I actually had a conversation. I don't know if I'm, I'm supposed to share this or not. I actually had a conversation in my third year. I was about to graduate and I didn't have a job yet. And I was thinking about my student loans coming due in six months. And um, uh, Clarence Thomas actually came to the law school to speak. And they asked a few students, you know, if they wanted to go up and have spend an hour just chatting with them. There was like 20 of us. And so I was... I was. Did anyone say no? I was... Well, I think they, I think, I think they picked out students that they perceived as being a little more conservative. And I'm kind of a libertarian. So I, I think I was an easy choice. But... I got up there, and, what, and the, when I got a chance to talk to him by myself, you know, um, I said, you know, hey, I'm about ready to graduate. I'm really nervous. I don't have a job. He told me a story about him, you know, graduating from Yale, second in his class, and wanting to go back to the South and practice and do civil rights law and not being able to get a job. For him, it was because of the color of his skin. Sure. And, um, you know, having to struggle for a long time before he was able to and the you know he told me and it's 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 been in his book so it's it's what widely known now but he said he had he didn't pay off his student loans until he had been on the supreme court you know for a number of years and this was a guy who was you know i think he was a ceo of a major company or or the general counsel of a major company fortune 500 company he, before he did a lot of government work too right right but the point is, is that, you know, he said, look, you know, everything's going to work out in the end. And well, you I think just that need adds a lot there. of stress is the student loans. Like, yeah. For me, that was number one stressor. Like I, when I made the decision to go from Texas Tech to Georgetown, I went from tuition that was like 12000 a year yeah. to 25000 a semester plus my... A semester. Yeah. So plus, fifty grand a year. Plus my apartment, it was two grand a month. Jeez. And we were in Lubbock, our house, we bought a house for $68,000. So when our I, mortgage was 491 Well, when I, when, we, when, when I applied for to a bunch of schools to transfer from Syracuse, after I did well my first year, like there were several D.C. schools that I got into. And, and I had figured out that I could go back to Utah and still get in-state tuition, and I was—I did the math, and I was like, as much as I'd love to live in D.C., my wife and I had done an internship there before, and just really loved it because it was beautiful, and you know, you're right in the middle of everything. Um, we just couldn't—I I just couldn't justify it, right? And so we came back. But um, well, that—and that's, that's so. Those are some of the those are some of the things that cause the stress. But but let, let's. Well, I, and that, I want to get to that real quick because okay. the student loans stressor. And I would and I would just say to people, if you want to be a lawyer and the student loans are freaking you out, or if you're in law school and student loans are freaking out, or you're in practice, I mean, with income-based repayment and all those different options, I wouldn't worry. I wouldn't worry. Like I used to, I used to think I'm never going to pay these student loans off, and 
you know. No, I had a colleague. Now, now I had we're, a. We're not paid off yet, but we're definitely have it way under control. And I, I more have, than I ever thought I would. I have, and I have a, I have a, a good friend who, who is, is. He he does done a little bit of litigation, but he does a lot of transactional and a lot of outside business stuff too. And he says, "Look, whenever I come into a lot of money, I'm not going to use it to pay off my student loans because it's the lowest interest debt that I uh -huh. have." And so, like, so it's hit mine, I it? save money by yeah. by by you know. I mean, other than your house, though, for most people, other than a house, it's going to be the lowest interest so debt mine, that they mine have. Mine are at almost eight percent. Even then, like yeah. credit card interest rates are at nineteen sure, twenty. More than credit cards. And your house is going to probably be but less unless you, you bought it in the seventies. I think when you went to school, the, they probably capped interest rates at like four. Or something. It wasn't capped. It was just. It was just that's where the, that's where the interest rate was. And if you got if you, your loans were government loans, sure, then that's yeah. where it stayed. No, mine are all government. Rate. It's just, I think the rates went up when I went to school. Yeah. So. So, so there's a lot of potential stressors. So ways to deal with that stress, and I think we can maybe go. It may be helpful go around the table, talk a little bit about ways that that we found most effective at managing that stress. I mean, I think pretending that it doesn't exist is not uh, a healthy way, or a realistic, or even an honest way to deal with it, Scott. Well, in your in your experience, what have you found to be? I'm assuming exercises a lot. Oh yeah, that, knowing you, ah. um, the Scott is Scott is for for our listeners um, who who may not have caught this before. Forty seven. Yes, <laughs> Scott Scott is an avid cyclist. Up. Sorry, everybody wins races all the time. Um, I think his heart rate, his resting heart rate's low enough that if an AMT checked him while he was asleep. They might conclude that he was dead um, because it's, it it's, it's so low. Um, <laughs> Next. But, Next. But tell us a little bit, Scott, about how you, you know, what you use to manage the stress of your practice. Well, uh, a few and observations. And just don't say that it's not that stressful. Because no, 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 it is. But here's an interesting thing. We that's had not a, helpful. We had somebody come to our firm to talk about stress in particular and, and, and how to deal with it, but also a few interesting facts about... Uh, stress itself, and so maybe before I jump into what I do to manage it, uh, I'll, I'll go into some of the anecdotes that were provided during this uh, meeting we had with this consultant for the firm. Uh, first of all, stress, they, they've done some studies medically about the effects of stress on the body, and according to some of these studies, and you can actually look it up online and, and find these, because uh, I've done it, but I didn't do it in anticipation for today. But in any event, uh, w what happens is your body and your own perception of what stress is and how it affects you actually has a huge uh, effect on whether or not stress is bad or good for you. And the study in particular, I think it was in the UK, was done over many, many years. And what they did is they talked to people and they interviewed them about their lives and whether or not they were stressful and how they perceived stress. And then they measured outcomes over a number of years. And, and what in fact happened is those people that thought stress was uh, bad for them, and they said that they had a lot of stress in their lives, actually did in fact die earlier, whether it be from heart attack or any other malady, uh, old age, you name it, they died earlier than people who thought stress was bad but then said that they didn't have a lot in their lives. However, the people that lived the longest 
were the people that said stress uh, was good. It was something that motivated them to change and to be better and to be stronger, etc. But also that said that they had a lot of stress in their lives. So what they what they came away with that or came away with from that study was that if you perceive stress as something that's bad for you and you have a lot of it in your life, it will in fact be bad for you. However, if you have a lot of stress in your life but proactively approach it as something that is going to be good for you, it actually can prolong your life. The, those people live the longest of the study. So you're, so you're telling me that your own law firm that has an interest in you working more hours brought in somebody to tell you that, oh, no, don't worry. Stress no, is no, good. No, not Just at look all. at it differently. They said, they, said, <laughs> they said you have to manage it. But then they, and she actually had, she had citations to the studies, and I looked at them independently, and it was interesting. There's also another study um, talking about the psychosomatic... You know the way you perceive things and how it actually translates into physiological changes. Uh, there was a study done w about uh, weight loss and calorie intake and satiation, meaning how satiated you feel after you eat food, right? How if you have a corn dog, do you feel full or not? And what they had is they had a bunch of people take uh, drink smoothies and then rate whether or not they felt full, and then they also tested their blood to find out whether or not those. Uh, I guess your body generates certain chemicals when you feel full to kind of say, hey, I'm sated, you know, quit feeding me. And, and those chemicals are not something you can just turn on with a switch. They're something that your body will generate as a result of, you know, who knows what, having enough in your stomach, whatever. And so they had these two groups, and one of the groups was given a smoothie and told, hey, this is our super indulgent smoothie. It's got a million calories, and it's going to fill you up. And they have the smoothie, and then they measure their blood, and, and these people have lots and lots of these chemicals in their blood saying, yeah, you're full, you, you feel full, you're good, you got enough calories, move on. And then they tell another group of people that, you know, this is, this is called the responsible delight smoothie. It has very few calories, but it tastes just as good as any other smoothie, and it, it will allow you to indulge yourself while not feeling guilty. So these, this uh, statistically significant group of people drink the smoothie, and they measure their blood. And those people that have been told that it was responsible and that it was low calorie had less of these chemicals that were signaling to their body that they were full. Well, guess what? The smoothie was the same. Yeah. So, so the placebo With, effect. So, so my point exists. is in all of this is that it's not so much placebo effect, but rather how you perceive something does and can have a physiological uh, effect on your life. Yeah, that's the literal well, definition of the placebo effect. Okay. Well, bless your heart. I'm not so sure. Well, I've heard it defined like that. Stress is evolutionary right stress was supposed to be yeah it's good so for we're talking it. about the, the mindset it's good for us okay and so it, so we're talking about how to deal in, with the so, so well, sure but it, well that's so, what i think what well, scott so, is saying so that's where that, i'm going with this is that when you look at the stress and you perceive it as your body is telling you that you need to act and that's a good thing not as a stress oh my gosh well, i'm gonna go crawl in the corner now Right, and so that that's leads me. Good. So that's so that's so that's one way to deal with stress, I suppose, well, is no. to just perceive it as good. But let's let's assume for for the sake of argument that okay, we're talking I'm, I'm, to people. Let me get to my my point. Okay. What what I was going to say is that then part of the reason why I deal with what I do or deal with stress the way I do is because I make a conscious effort to deal with stress, doing things that for many people would be considered stressors themselves. So I, for example, to deal with my stress on a daily basis, sometimes twice a day, I get on my bike trainer 
put on some headphones, listen to some, you know, aggressive music and just flog myself, just hammered out. But I tell you what, you know, for a lot of people going to the gym and exercising, it, it hurts you. It's stressful, especially if you do interval training, meaning, you know, really, you know, jack your heart rate, push your muscles hard. For a lot of people, they see that as not fun. They see that as stressful and they see that as something necessary to prolong their lives, but not necessarily fun or not necessarily something that would relax them and otherwise help them deal with other stressors in their life. Whereas I approach it knowing that, hey, you know what, if I hammer this out, I'm going to be faster on the bike. I'm going to feel better and it's going to help me deal with stress. And you know what? I That's my therapy session. So Getting down there on the bike and just hurting. So one, of the ways, and everything. Yeah. so one of the ways you deal with stress is exercise. Yes. Correct? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Dan, how, how, what are some of the ways that you deal with stress? So I, uh, I do, there's two things in particular and, and exercise is part of it, but I do it differently. I, I go and hit a baseball on a tee as hard as I can hit the thing as hard as I can into a net. And you know, that does two things. It releases some aggression cause you can hit something far and hard and I just like doing it. And then two, but more than that, I think what I try and take a break and meditate, I think that really helps. Um, and then calendar, calendaring for me, having lists of knowing where I am in my cases and no, not, there's no unknown in any of my cases ever. Like it's, I am very detailed in my At least steps. With, re- with regard to what you need to do. What I need to do. Right. right. Yeah. There might be, you know, of course there might be some fact out there that the client hasn't told me or, or ha- I haven't discovered yet, but you know, every day I'm looking at, I keep my cases in a folder. I look at my folder my cases and, it, and it's okay what am I what am I doing today on this 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 and then at least once a week I do a very deep dive of this is what I'm my to-do list for the week on these cases and so for me it's constantly knowing the status of my cases that really helps me because for me a big stressor is not no, not knowing what I don't know if that makes sense and that's and as a younger attorney, that's especially true when I was super young. It was like, well, I don't even, and thank goodness for mentors, right? Um, but uh, right now, I think the thing that relieves the most stress is just being very detailed and knowing what I need to do on my case. Yeah, and I, I think I agree with that. I mean, I, I agree with what both of you have said. I mean, I think that... Um, you know, I definitely agree that I need a certain level of stress in my life in order to be engaged in what I'm doing. And, you know, boredom is almost worse for me than, than stress. But, um, you know, I when I'm stressed out, I a lot of times I meditate. Um, I have found that to be anything that clears the mind of everything but what's in the moment. And so, you know... Exercise can do that for you apart from, you know, the endorphins and everything else. But one of the reasons I think that it is so effective at relieving stress is because, you know, for example, when you're hitting that baseball, you know, or when you're riding your bike, you know, you're not focused on eight different things at once. You're focused on that one thing that you're doing and it sort of crowds out everything else you're doing. And, and, you know, it's a lot of way the same way with like a mindfulness sort of meditation sort of thing. The, the object is to get to the point or to learn to be able to do it in a way 
that you you know you are focused on one thing whether it's your breathing or whether it's some particular concept or something and to the point where you're excluding everything else that's going on in your life and you know for that short time period you're focused just on the moment i also agree you know that it, it certainly you know as a matter of avoiding malpractice as well as a matter of you know stress management what you suggested is knowing exactly where you are in every case and what needs to be done and when is important because a you're not going to be like oh crap you know how close am i to the fact discovery deadline in this case do i have my experts ready do i need yeah. to do this and um you know and b you're not going to create more stress by suddenly coming up against some deadline that you didn't realize was there and you know having to figure out how to fit you know 30 hours worth of stuff to do into you know the 16 hours in which you can realistically be productive and i think the main takeaway is you have to find what works for you right the riding the bike thing that'll never work for me ever don't knock until I you would, try it, Dan. I mean, I, f- I think that fits into you know, a larger I, category. I, say, I have a friend that the biggest thing, the biggest stress relief for her is she takes her shoes off and she goes and stands on the grass. It's called grounding. I don't even, she went into it big time. I'm not, there's some science huh. behind it. But she, her just being physically on the earth. She aware of the increased lightning risk that she's she's <laughs> yeah. doing by grounding and, and just taking <laughs> some by becoming some a human lightning rod. Really being in the moment, taking some breath, deep breaths. I joke, and but. I know, but and having your feet on the ground for her, that's like there's nothing better in this world that will relieve stress. Yeah, and and I think and I think that you know the distraction, the the you know spending energy on something specific that's not related to the thing that's stressing you out, you know, I sometimes I'll do, I, you know, do jujitsu and, you know, everybody sees that in like mixed martial arts and assumes that it's like this constant, you know, exercise fest. And, you know, some days when we do sparring and things, it is really exercise intensive, but a lot of times you're just learning techniques and jujitsu is a martial art that's very cerebral and so you're a lot of times you're, you're spending time thinking about all right how you know how does this technique fit in with something else and when would you do this and what would be the indicator you know if your opponent you know tries to do this you know um this is a good time to use this and so again it's 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 a it's a situation where you're you kind of leave everything else at the door and you come in and you're brain is focused on one thing now at some point you get to the point where even during sparring you're you're focused on the intellectual aspect of it rather than just you know like you know even 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 me in a, in a fairly beginner sort of thing when I'm with somebody who's more experienced I spend a lot of my time rather than just huffing and puffing if I can in trying to figure out okay he's trying to do this what's the defense against that yeah. how do I survive and a lot of times, for me, a victory in the when I'm sparring is, okay, I didn't get choked out or have to tap out once in those four minutes. You know, for me, that was a victory because this sure. guy's been doing it since he was 16 and he's 30 and, you know, right. he's way better well, than and, me. And luckily, our bar, the Utah bar, has recognized that this is something that needs to be 
dealt with, and they've created the Lawyers Helping Lawyers program. And there's also a, there's also a program where you, you can look on the bar's website. Uh, Bloomquist Hale uh, is a service that the bar con- has a contract with that can hook attorneys up with um, you know licensed professionals in a variety of fields, including mental health professionals that can help attorneys learn you know. Um, you know, get therapy to help deal with things like depression or money problems, yeah. or um, you know, that that need to be treat that net, you know, that that are that can be you know, the stress can be coming from a biological problem rather than just you know, yeah. and and needs to actually be well, treated. Well, and, and stress, depression, all that I think is extremely isolating. Right, and I think that's when people get into trouble is they either try and handle it themselves, they push people away, friends, family, that normally would help them, and they just, they isolate themselves. And and so, like, you know, we usually try and keep this pretty light, but in all seriousness, if, if someone's listening and feels that way, I would reach out to them, or heck, reach out to us, I know. Yeah, you know, sure. Every single one of us would... Happy, happy to help, and um, you know, there's, there's obviously a lot of hotlines out there on the internet now that way we're doing this. I wish I'd maybe I'll put that in the the link in the in the link or in the in the uh, in yeah. the in a little segment after we close. But um, you know, where help is available to people who need it. And, episode description. Yeah. Um, so. Thank you so much for listening. We're, uh, we're going to wrap it up uh, now, and you know we also want to thank you all for subscribing. And we'd ask you, encourage you to go on iTunes and subscribe to the Trial Lawyer Podcast. Additionally, uh, there's a, a, a way for you to give us a rating. And um, uh, you know we noticed in our statistics we have a lot of people listening and nobody rating. Um, and so. Um, you know, if you like us enough to subscribe, we assume you, you at least like us uh, enough to, to give us a decent rating on there. If, you know, maybe there's a lot of hate listeners out there. I don't know. Hate, hate if, listening. If, if, if that's the same thing. Like, well, well, what is that jerk Dan going to say today? Yeah, <laughs> it could be. But, um, you know, we encourage you to do that. Again, this is a trial lawyer podcast, and we will see you next week.